Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Steve Weintraub. Steve is a teacher, choreographer, and performer of Jewish dance, particularly Yiddish dance, the dance that goes along with klezmer music. Uh, he is here with us at the Yiddish Book Center for the 7th Annual Yidstock and has taken time away from his dance workshop and other duties here at Yidstock to visit with me today. Steve's been part of Yidstock almost since the beginning, I believe, for the last five years. So I'm delighted to finally find five minutes to get him into the studio with us. Welcome, Steve. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. So I've been watching what you've been doing for five years at Mm-hmm. Um, Yidstock, which is you teach two workshops, and mm-hmm. you, I think Seth Rogovoy refers to you as the Pied Piper of uh, <laughs> Yiddish <laughs> Not the dance. first time someone said okay. that, yeah. Okay, so he may not have coined it, um, but it's true. I mean, you bring all of our festival goers out of their seats and onto the floor. So I have many questions okay. that have been ruminating <laughs> in my head for five years about Yiddish dance, etc. I guess the first one is, tell me how you got into it. Um... My family always had dancing at like all their parties and always like at least two two horrors, you know, two big Jewish circle dances. And uh, so I kind of grew up with that. Um, in high school, I got involved with uh, international folk dancing and then Israeli dance. Uh, started teach uh, lecturing about the history of Jewish dance uh, at el- elder hostels and so on. And I had a particular affinity to the klezmer music and the Yiddish dance. It just kind of resonated with me. And uh, I had to create a bottle dance company once in New York City that, you know, did like very snazzy um, parties. And so I would like lead p- after the bottle dance. I was sort of the prelude to getting people up and dancing. So I kind of honed some of those skills on how to get people out of their up on their uh, on their high heels and sequins and get them out on the dance floor because these were pretty ritzy parties shrimp cocktail bar mitzvahs i called them <laughs> it's uh, very trafe sorry <laughs> i know no but like until we appeared with the bottles and the costumes you wouldn't hardly know right um so later on one of my questions is going to be about the different dance um techniques the moves etc but tell me for those of us who are not familiar with bottle, the, the term bottle the dance. The bottle dance. That's, it, it was became popular through Fiddler on the Roof. It's a, a, a stunt that's done by balancing a bottle on the head, and the dancer dances around various moves. And uh, it's a way of honoring the bride and groom. It's a mitzvah at a wedding or to to do to not, not only participate in the dancing, but if you can do something that's a little bit extra, that's a little performative, that uh, heightens the mitzvah of of pleasing the bride and groom, uh, gladdening the bride and groom. Are these full bottles or empty bottles? Um, originally, it was a, a, a bottom-heavy, had a little bit of liquid in it. Now I use a champagne bottle. I learned from somebody who was in Fiddler that uh, that's what they use because they're less likely to break if they fall. So speaking of learning, I, you know, I don't think that – as a child, you say, I'm going to be a Yiddish dance instructor. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and if you did, your parents might dissuade you. Um, how did you come to learn this? Is it is it, again, you know, there's so many things, I think, in Jewish culture that are passed down orally or what have you. A whole bunch of things. First, I was studying modern dance. I was studying ballet and modern dance and then got into this bottle dance company thing. Um, when I was living in Atlanta, Henry Sapoznik, mm-hmm. the, the leader of Klez Camp, saw me leading dance at a wedding and was 
I guess, charmed or impressed by how I got everybody moving. So he said, would you like to come teach at Kles Camp? And I was like, wow. Except I knew like a fraction of what I know now. I had done some reading had about the dances, the share, and so forth, but really didn't know anything outside of my own experience. I was given by his colleague, Sherry Mayrent, a collection of clips from old movies, old Yiddish movies. And I studied them assiduously and like tried to form a theory of Yiddish dance based on what I saw and what was looked um, looked naturalistic and what looked uh, very choreographed and, and sort of like then I also looked at other writings about Yiddish dance. Uh, 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 Michael Alpert had done previous research, you know, talking to people and learning, you know, firsthand dances from people. So I received his notes uh, to study. And then over the course of years, at, starting with that base of like just like a, a, a fraction of what I know now, uh, started teaching and then not only learning more from other people, looking at other sources, uh, uh, internet, uh, a colleague of mine uh, has a, a, a Yiddish dance page and she's in, researched a lot of dances, but also just being in the field and seeing how these dances work with actual people in, in a lively way, not in a recollected way. Mm-hmm. But when people do these dances, I've, I've created a, a, a wedding recreations and to see how the dances function in those recreations, it's like, oh, that's why people did this. This is the, you know, like the Bruegestanz is a great example of that. Uh, the Bruegestanz is uh, an argument dance, usually done by two individuals. Often it was traditionally the mothers-in-law who would either have an actual argument or feign an argument, uh, you know, in, in pantomime. And one of the hallmarks of it is that you would turn your back on your partner and turn away from them. And I was like, wow. In, in, in Jewish dance, base, facing is a very key element, you know, to, to uh, you know, honor the person you're with. And to turn your back is kind of intense. Uh, I met two women at a, 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 a senior camp that I was teaching at, and they said, oh, we had aunts who did the, the Bruegestan. So I said, show me. <laughs> so I used that as the basis of what I teach. And then I realized that when you do this, uh, and then there's that's part A of the dance. Then there's a makeup moment where the, the the argument stops and they either air kiss or sincerely embrace. And then there's a happy dance afterwards. So this it's a perfect drama. And seeing it in situ, seeing it done in front of people, everyone gets this little tense. The audience gets a little tense watching it. And then when they break up, when they make up. Just the sigh of relief, and it sweetens the, it heightens the the happiness of the party even further. Um, and I was like, okay, I would not have known that had I not run the experiment. Right. I mean, I would imagine that you you reference books, which I'm kind of yeah, curious yeah. about, um, uh, and also that you're learning, you know, in the same way that we're mentoring translators by getting them in touch with native Yiddish speakers, mm-hmm. that, that this, again, is something that you access through generations who pass yeah. down just because they did the dances. Yeah. Uh, um, there, there's film of some of the people that Michael filmed, mm-hmm. you know, like Abronya Sakina, you know, who, who does a version of the share, a version of a share that I teach. I actually learned from someone who did it at a workman circle camp 
And, you know, so being in the position that I'm in, I actually encounter people who dance. You know, what's that move you just did? You know, like, where did you learn that? How, why does that look like that? I met some Lithuanian women who danced in a Jewish Lithuanian dance company over there, and they showed me some of their, their choreography and some of their moves. Do you think of yourself as an ethnographer? I don't think – I'm not an academic, and, and I always mm-hmm. feel a little a little – a, a little awkward about that, but I feel like I've accumulated a lot of knowledge as a as a, as a field worker. Okay, so we could almost call you. I mean, some cookbook writers like Joan Nathan we refer to as a culinary anthropologist in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are documenting, yes, yeah, or and you're teaching them so that there is. There's a forward motion with this. Yeah, they will and, be captured. and I'm developing ways to pass on stuff that's very difficult to get quickly. Like uh, I've come up with etudes, you know, little practice things that get people using their body in a certain way, understanding the relationship of the upper and lower body, ways of encountering a partner, and very, you know, very quickly to get people to to feel this and dance. In a Jewish style, I mean, we don't we don't have a, a corner on the market of any kind of like figures or steps or anything. A lot of it is just how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were learning today a, a, a square dance called the share, which has characteristics in common with lots of square dances, but they're not done. It's not done skipping. It's done with you know like a freilux, like like in in the same dance style that you do in a circle dance. Uh, a Jewish circle dance, you know, a Jewish, what we call a horror now. And would there be variations, you know, depending on where you came from? Oh, yeah. You know, um, I've collected lots of versions of the share. And uh, from what I can figure, it probably was like either you knew your version or you were bullied through a version. When you say bullied. Oh, you know, like like one, 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 one individual, I've seen this over and over again, would be just saying, no, no, you go over there now. And but that would happen internally within the square, and you often it was done just one square, you know, as opposed to a, a hall full of people all all going through their moves simultaneously. Although that's what we see now anymore, because that's how it's being presented at festivals and so on. But uh, I'm hoping this afternoon uh, or this evening that to have a few people who learn the share, and we're just gonna, you know, stumble our way through one when the when the band plays. And do you, this is a silly <laughs> question, maybe, but. When you're doing this, are you getting corrected by people? Not often. Not often. Sometimes. Sometimes. No. But um, uh, I didn't mean I, – I wasn't challenging no, your no, – no, no, it was no, just no, that no, sometimes no, uh, we uh, learn from – yeah. Uh, um, no. More often than not, I'll pick up someone's variation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, it's not like a lot of Yiddish speakers who go, no, that's not how you say that. You know. But they're uh, different dialects. So yeah, again, yeah. 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 Um, for better or for worse, not any, not many people have any background at all in this to even correct me over. I mean, people have described to me like, oh, my family did the share. Oh, tell me what you did. And they describe the very last figure, a thing called threading the needle, which is like saying, I've seen a dog. Well, what does it look like? Oh, it's, a, it's long and it wags. <laughs> They're describing the tail. <laughs> you know, and the, and the, the rest of the dog is, has vanished. <laughs> so it's like the the police sketch. Tell yeah. me that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it, but what's odd is what became remembered as the share was just this little last bit of it. You know. And 
watching uh, the dance, and, and every once in a while, when we have a holiday party, mm -hmm. Asia Weissman Schulman yeah. um, will do a little exercise for us. I'm fascinated by what I see, and I don't know if I'm interpreting it correctly, but there seems to be a very quiet vocabulary, that there's a response to, there's a dialogue going on between partners. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of Yiddish dance is improvisational. Um, I, I'd say most of it, the real stuff, is improvisational. Uh, there are a lot of borrowed dances from, you know, the various countries, Romania, Poland, where have you, some couple dances. But it in dancing, what what I would call freilachs, or to any any melody, there is a sense of responding to the music. Initially, there uh, the things are very phrased. Mm -hmm. Dances tend to be very phrased. And if two people can do a freilachs, I could do a freilachs solo. But if I'm dancing with someone, there is really a lot of play. And in a lot of these square dances, a great sense of play between the people who are interacting. And these dances are designed to make you interact with one another, to see one another. So to take that one step further, I mean, I think that dancing, I believe it's a safe to say, can be a very intimate thing. I mean, if you think of the tango, yeah. the relationship between the partners is a very intimate thing. And I don't see that no. in, in Yiddish dance. Mm -hmm. And yet there appears to be that aspect of flirtation or it's, suggestion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more communal. It's more um, social. Mm -hmm. um, so flirtation or, you know, there are a, a colleague of mine is, is, is uh, doing a lot of research into dance as described in German and Yiddish literature. And there you see, like, some really fiery stuff going on. And people just, like, sort of sweating under their collars because of the the intimacy of doing some of these dances. But I'd say in general, um, it's about community dancing and the way people interact within a community. So I would, you know, the way I would dance with my grandmother is very different from dancing with someone who I find attractive of, of you know, of my own age. Or, you know, the way I would dance with a, a, a younger relative or mm -hmm. a young person and that's what's kind of fascinating seeing how people negotiate that and and embrace that when i'm, when I'm having people partner as an exercise i'll say thank your partner find another person and notice what's different well it also seems to allow for it in the dancing that happens here with um some of the concerts yeah. because we have multi-generations right. in the audience and some of the dancing gets kind of crazy wild and very energetic and, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot to keep up with physically mm -hmm. and, you know, you know endurance-wise. And it, it is interesting to see how that's navigated where there's a, uh, an allowance for, your, for uh, the partners when you're doing those, like, I don't know what the dance is. When you dance around the circle and then you go under and you yeah, go over and over, and over, yeah, over yeah, yeah. the over and under dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to sort of slow down to pace yourself with the others there. And it, it's a very nice thing. I mean, it <laughs> seems to happen without any uh, direction. It's just um, – Well, it's kind of the physics of the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. how fast do they go? <laughs> yeah. Well, although that can happen because – a lot of the dance, like uh, that over and under figure is seen in a lot of other dances. And I've even described to people like in a Scandinavian dance, it would be very regimented on very four counts, up two, three, four, down two, three, four. And when I'm teaching and I say, let it 
find let it find its own flow you know and then depending on how fast people are moving it just trickles along the way they trickle along i was watching yesterday or yesterday the day yeah, yeah. I, it all blurs together i've been here today and yeah, yesterday right, teaching okay. all right <laughs> and i've been here since yes, thursday seriously. um so I was watching Asia, um, uh, she was dancing around, and she was doing a very deliberate thing with her feet. Um, everybody had their arms around oh, one pro- another. Oh, pro- probably the, the, the Bulgar step. Okay. That's the six-count horror step, uh, two quick steps, then two kicks, or two weight changes, two slow weight changes. Um, yeah, that's a sort of a Romanian type of dance step that became really, really popular, Um it's done. It's 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 identical to the uh, Israeli horror. Okay, and it it felt as though it was if if this was literature that it was punctuation that putting down of the foot at that point. It's it was interesting because then it transitions back and then it's like boom and it, it's well, got that movement. Oh, it was funny. I was talking to Hankus yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'm going. I'm going. I want to do a workshop at my at Class Canada um, on rhythm and how to how to enliven the rhythm of one's personal dancing. Especially when you're dancing solo or as a partner, and he was saying it's the yeah, this 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 accent in and sort of forward movement that's to him one of the hallmarks of the music and the dance. So it's that it's not a, a stomp, it's a a drive, a, 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 an emphatic drive into that plays out. It's kind of like bowling a ball, right? And and I guess when I said stomp, um, it yeah. was just that it. Yeah, whether it's that propelling one forward, yeah. uh, that's why I use the word punctuation yeah. because it did. It felt like a deliberate way to give emphasis. Actually, one of one of my etudes, I, I call the punctuation one. You know, mm-hmm. um, that at you you can do little things instead of just simply walking, like in and out of the circle. You can get to the middle and do a little figure. You can do a little something with your feet, a kick, a one, two, three, a stomp, and that's kind of a punctuation. Uh, rather than just flowing in and out, that when you find those little points of punctuation at the beginnings and ends of phrases, capital letters, commas, periods, exclamation points, it it, it enlivens the dancing. And are there, um, you know, a prescribed set of steps that one learns? No. Um, well, except in the borrowed dances, yeah. You know, so like a, a, a Bulgar has a, you know, a, a, a sequence, you know, and these are the steps and you, everybody's on the same foot. Mm-hmm. Um, some other of the Romanian and other borrowed dances uh, are going to have that. But Freylocks, you don't even have to be on the same foot. But there is definitely a kind of in-group and out-group of things to do. Like grapevine, I, I discourage people from doing, you know, the, the Mayim Mayim step, the grape forward and back and forward and back, moving around the circle, that sort of weaving step, mm-hmm. is not really typical. Uh, it's more of a, a, a bouncy walk. is kind of the, the basic unit of, of dancing, but also little one, two, three steps and shuffling steps and kicking steps. So there definitely is a vocabulary um, that can be varied and whatnot, but it's it's – uh, it's not going to be all over the map. It's not going to be all over the map. So 
Just to sort of recap, mm. um, you found your way into this, <laughs> which I'm sure is surprising to you. Yeah, um, it's and cool, pretty though. exciting. It's totally. I love it. I get to hang out with like the, this is my Paris in the 20s. <laughs> I know the most amazing creative people I get to hang out with. Well, it's apparent because every year you come and we have a different set of musicians, and it's <laughs> it's like old home week. Right, I mean, yeah. I, it's really fun to see the interaction. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I think you had. Frank London, uh, yeah. uh, down on the yeah, down on the floor, um, doing the. He, remember, he was he had the musicians were following you, weaving through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That, that's, that's, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was wonderful. He likes yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um, and favorite dance, favorite moment. One of those times when you were just in the midst of it all and thought, ah, oh, who imagined? Oh, all the time, all the time, um, because. It creates instant community, and I, uh, you know, I'll, oh, there was a, a, a thing where it was like being—it was like riding a dragon or being in the middle of a hurricane. It was a, th- a thing called um, Golden Fest, which is very raucous, like a Balkan uh, dance festival in Brooklyn. So you have these all these young Brooklyn types dancing to brass music. It's like, and this, it was Frank London and his band, and I'm in the middle. I wasn't even introduced. I was just like the guy who knew what to do, so let's follow him. And I'm in the middle of this tornado of people circling. I was like, get out. How is this? What am I doing here? <laughs> it's like, so cool. It's, you know, it's humbling and, and powerful feeling at the same time. Well, on behalf of all of us, <laughs> I thank you for bringing this to Yidstock, um, to introducing us to Yiddish dance and to keeping it moving forward. Um, well, thank it's, you. It's great. Um, and... Uh, we look forward to having you uh, leading us this evening. Yes. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My name is Kyle Pichonary, and I'm a member of the Center's summer staff. For more of this podcast, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I recommend checking out episode number 117, Lisa Newman's conversation with Mike Silver about the golden age of Jewish boxing. It's a heavy hitter of a podcast. Until next time, be well, be healthy. Zagazoon.